0: We're living in a day and age right now where truth has been redefined for a lot of people in a way that's not biblical truth. And the the reality is the only truth that matters is God's truth, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let, let's just put it in terms of business. I mean, if you work at a business but you don't own the business, does your truth matter more than the owner's truth? Not really you don't own it so it doesn't matter what you believe it only matters what the owner believes well god owns everything he created the world he made the world he owns the world and you know i i think we live in a culture now where i literally have had somebody tell me well that's your truth (laughs) about something i said uh you know, you think about somebody jumping off the Empire State Building, the truth is they're gonna die if they do that. I mean, they're they're not gonna survive that fall because of gravity. That's truth. They can believe what they want to believe all day long, but that doesn't impact reality. And God's truth is reality. That's the thing. His truth is not subjective in the sense that. It happens regardless of what people think. But we have redefined now. So now you have people that say that they are men when in reality they're women. Their DNA is a woman's DNA. They have biological differences in their bodies that they can't change with surgery. Even though technology can change the outside, what it can't change is the base DNA of who they are that God created. That's reality. So they can appear as anything they want, but that doesn't change the substance of who they are. And that's what God's truth is. His truth is reality. And so for us, as it relates to the Bible, we should want to know what the truth is. Like one of the questions a guy asked me the other day that I was sharing with, he said, well, can I ask you a question? You know, what's really the difference in all religions? Like there's lots of like Buddhism and Hinduism and all this stuff. Like what's the difference in them all? And I said, the, the difference is that the truth rests with the Bible. That's the difference. And the Bible, do, I, I said, do you know what the Bible teaches about how to know God? He said, well, I don't know. Probably not. He said, I've read it, but I don't really know it. And and a lot of people who speak against the Bible, who talk about things that authoritatively they think are in the Bible, have no clue what the Bible says about how to know God. Because from Genesis to Revelation, it's about one thing. And it's about man knowing God in the right relationship. And the only way that happens is through Jesus. But his response to that question was what I would say 90% of the people I ever ask that question is. And it's, well, isn't it about making me a better person? That's what most people think. That's not the truth of the Bible. Um, Will you be a better person? You know, I, I, I said, you know, it's funny because one of the phrases that kept popping up over and over and over again was, I've done some bad things, and man, I'm just really not a good person. And I said, do you know that in the Bible, God's Word, His reality, He says that Jesus, who was the remedy for us, didn't come to help people who have it all together. He came to help people who are busted up like me and you. And I said, that's why He came. That's the truth. And the difference between what the Bible teaches and every other religious uh, belief system in the world is every other system teaches you have to be good enough to get to God. You have to work your way to God. You have to do this in order to get this. And the beauty of what God says in His Word is it's already been done for you because you could never do enough to earn your way there. And He goes, wow, really? Really? I said, that's what it teaches. Guys, do you know how few people really know that? People that are around you every day. And it's because we live in a world that in America, we've so taken for granted this truth and it's been so distorted by the father of lies who's Satan, who all he wants to do is distort you from understanding this, from reading this, from knowing this that he's infiltrated the churches. He's infiltrated seminaries. These places that are supposed to be about teaching this, he's infiltrated. In fact, um, there was one seminary professor that did a, a project and they scoured the New Testament. He got all of his students to scour the New Testament and really research it and come up with the most talked about theme in the New Testament. Do you know what it was? It wasn't love. It, it was guarding the truth against false teaching. It was all about guarding against false teaching and keeping the truth, the truth. Adolf von Harnack years ago wrote a book called What is Christianity? And it's been influential in a lot of contemporary theology. A lot of people in seminaries read it. He said there's no second coming. There's no future kingdom. It's only a spiritual reality in the present. This is a book that a lot of progressive liberal seminaries teach and they read. He completely rejected rejected the second coming of Jesus Christ. Another guy named C.H. Dodd wrote a book called Parables of the Kingdom, which has influenced a lot of contemporary theologians. He also denies the second coming. He said that since the Lord didn't literally return on the clouds during the 30s of the first century, to expect Him to return in the 20th century is to go contrary to primitive Christianity, which is true Christianity. He doesn't believe that Jesus is coming back. Dodd taught the doctrine of the second coming is just a myth. It's a myth. Karl Barth, another new Orthodox teacher, uh, said the coming of Christ is no longer understood as a future future literal return of Christ, but it's just a symbol of the endless earnestness of eternity. That doesn't even make sense. A guy named Rudolf Boltman, who is also well-known in seminaries, you may have never heard these people, but pastors and theologians who are in churches all over the country have read this stuff and been influenced by it. But Rudolph Boltman said among the mythological elements in the New Testament which must be reinterpreted and no longer taken literally are the following. Heaven, hell, the resurrection of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, and the future day of judgment. All of these guys deny the second coming of Jesus. <clears throat> One part of the New Testament is true yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, what's the reference What's the reference? Their reference. Like, where do they come up with this? Just they just make. They? No kidding. Yeah, they they yeah, can yeah. read the Bible and say what they want. It's okay. kind of like a guy saying, "I can be a girl," well, but, but, or a girl but, saying, "I yeah. can be a guy." And books usually reference other you know material that they gathered, and yet if without that, it it's a you know it's a fiction.
1: Lifeway, Lifeway did
0: it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they just it's life so cool. Lifeway did a a study. This is a couple of years ago. Of 3,000 people in churches. Okay? And um, in this study, they asked questions. And 74% of the people that would profess to be evangelical Christians, this is not liberal, this is evangelical churches, said the smallest sins don't warrant eternal damnation. In contrast to what James says, "If you break one law, you've broken them all." Sixty percent of those surveyed said, "Eventually, everybody goes to heaven." They might not stay, but that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Stand before God, and I think He's in heaven. Yeah. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Said that Jesus was the first created being. Jesus wasn't created, he's always been. Um, 28%, almost a third, said that the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is not equal to God. You go, why is that important? Does it really matter? Yeah, it does. You've got, I I can tell you, I can mention three names of very popular, well known TV preachers right now that don't even believe in the Trinity. They don't believe that they're all equal. Two thirds of evangelicals said heaven is a place where all people will ultimately be reunited with their loved ones. (coughs) Just last week, Bob Saget passed away. Two days before he died, he was asked about Betty White, and you know what he said? He said Betty is now with her husband Alan, who died forty years ago. She believed that that she would be reunited with him, and if that's her view of what happens after we die, I'm good with that. I don't really know what happens, is what he said. <laughs> We live in a time right now where people say, you know what, Mormonism and Christianity are a lot alike. I mean, they're really, they believe in Jesus. Mormons teach that God the Father is not eternal. There have been many other gods in existence before the current God we have now. God the Father was once a man who later became a God. God the Father has a physical body with flesh and bone in it. God the Father had sex with a mother God who then produced millions of spirit children with Jesus being the firstborn. And Lucifer was the second. Jesus Christ is not eternal. Jesus married while on earth and had several children. They believe we're saved by doing good, obeying the laws of the Mormon church. We can eventually progress into God's being a God ourselves. I mean, they teach that. You, you won't know that if you go to a Mormon church here because if you just go, they, they sound so much like a Christian church. Sometimes better than a Christian church. They're more loving, more accepting. You don't find out this belief till you get way, 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 way high up in the Mormon church. You have to go through a whole bunch of hoops to get there. But then when you get there, I've actually, when we were in Arizona, had people that left that had death threats when they tried to leave. But yet, it's like Christianity. That's what they say, a lot of people. So what do we do with all this? how, How do we respond? Where do we draw the line? Like, how do we learn to distinguish? Because we live in a culture that says, well... You know what? We, we just need to love people. That's all that really matters. I mean, people say that. Um, shouldn't we just set aside... I mean, doctrine. This is doctrine. We should, love is the most important thing. Can you love somebody without truth? Really? Can you love... Isn't love and truth together? like is it loving to let somebody to believe a lie if Dave Wayner over here was going to drink that coffee and I saw somebody in this room pour strychnine in there would it be loving to go well you know what he's free to do whatever he wants to do that wouldn't be loving at all but that's what we do we do this with other realities in our world because you know what it's, it's offensive to people When people literally are drinking the strychnine of spiritual falsehood and demonic lies, and and we're okay with it because we we don't want to be uncomfortable instead of being a voice for truth. Jesus in Matthew 7 said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothes. In other words, they're going to look like good people, like innocent people. Paul devotes uh, a lot of his letters to warning about that peter takes second peter and warns against false teachers jude devoted the whole letter to false teachers john in first john second john third john and in revelation warns against false teachers When Paul wrote Timothy, he said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but instead they're going to want to have their ears tickled. They're going to accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now, in our culture, the highest virtue is not truth. It's tolerance. And tolerance redefined. It's not even true tolerance. It was redefined 30 years ago because tolerance no longer means that, boy, you can believe what you want to believe and I can believe what I want to believe. Now, I have to believe that your belief, even if it's 180 degrees different from mine, is equally true with mine. For me to call your belief false is bigoted and hateful. That's what tolerance is defined. And that's our highest virtue right now. It's such a high virtue in our country that the Navy just extended their training program for boot camp for two weeks to include inclusivity training, sensitivity training, diversity training, and to talk about anti bullying. Really? This is how we want to train the military? What? woke what it is woke it's stupid it's stupid I'm t- it is it's crazy that this is what we're doing but guys this is what happens when you start allowing falsehood to reign and there's been the church is equally guilty now there are pastors that I thought were pretty solid pastors that are allowing messages to go out in their pulpit and they are participating in this that is awful. One guy who has written books that if I mentioned his name, you'd know him. You'd think, wow, he's a solid guy. Just allowed a sermon to be preached in his church by his associate that Jesus struggled with dysphoria because He was God and man so He can understand transgenders. That's, That's crazy! But it's an effort to try and identify with people. Um, Oh, it's awful. It's terrible. I'm so disappointed about this. But you know, he's human. He's flawed. He's trying. He's pragmatic is what's happened. And so, Jesus uh, didn't say that the world's going to know we are correct or we are Christians by our doctrine. This is what people say like him. He said they will know we're Christians by our love. That's true. But you can't have love without truth. There is no love without truth. That's stupidity. To just let somebody drive toward a bridge that's out and not tell them the bridge is out. 1 Timothy 3 says the church is the pillar of truth. When Paul says, hey, Timothy, the church is supposed to guard the truth. That's our responsibility. We represent the truth. There's two types of people in in our world there's people of truth and people of lies as it regards to the truth. And here's the truth that um, we have to hear the gospel. We have to receive the gospel. We have to embrace the gospel to be in fellowship with God the Father. That's the truth. First we have to hear it. Then we have to receive it. And then we have to embrace it. Otherwise, we're just stumbling through life letting the the evil one direct our paths. Faith comes by hearing the true gospel, not some Paul says anybody who preaches a gospel other than the one I gave you, let him be what? A curse, let him go to hell. Jesus is the Messiah and the only way to God. When we went through Acts right before we broke, uh, Peter said that over and over that there's no other name by which anybody can be saved other than Jesus. And yet, you got 60% of the people in that survey said uh, eventually everybody's going to go be with God and that's just not true it's a lie the enemy it's now huh it's worse yeah i like well today guys the church has deviated from the truth to make the message more palatable and i call it pragmatic compromise it's pragmatic compromise in other words i got to do what gets people in if i have the right kind of music If I have, you know, the right kind of atmosphere, we got a coffee bar in our church. Listen, nothing wrong with having coffee at church. So don't email me and say, hey, you know, we do this, is it bad? I'm just saying, we think that if we put all these niceties in there, then we can get people in and they can get saved. You want to see if your church is real and valid? Just have a guy stand up behind a pulpit, no music, nothing, and just get up and and read God's Word for about an hour and see what happens. I mean, the truth is, we come together as a church to know the truth and to be prepared and encouraged to go share the truth with people. But instead, we've become consumers instead of contributors to the kingdom. He doesn't save us just to receive. He saves us to come and go be deployed to be His vessels of truth. And and listen, you've seen compromise on every level. Pope John Paul II said this, All who live a just life will be saved even if they do not believe in Jesus Christ. He said that. This is the Pope. This is papal infallibility. The Pope can't say anything wrong. He just said something wrong. That's a direct quote from Pope John Paul II. I'll read it again. All who live a just life will be saved even if they don't believe in Jesus Christ. That is absolute impossibility, or God's word is all a lie. That's crazy. Nobody calls him on it because he's the Pope. The New Roman Catholic Catechism says this, the biblical teaching that salvation only comes in response to faith in Jesus is to be rejected. It is unreasonable and cruel. The heathen are saved if they live a good life. You guys didn't know that, did you? That's what's being taught. It's like you're making this up. I'm not. (laughs) I'm (laughs) not. And that's the one that refers to everybody eventually. Yeah, well, yeah, they believe that. If you live a good life, they they hang out in purgatory, depending on how good it is. So listen. Well, Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." Acts four twelve. Peter, there's no salvation in there's salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven among by which we must be saved. Romans 1:18 through 23 sometimes is used as a as a proof text for people to say well we can know God through creation that's not the purpose of what Paul wrote in Romans 1 when Paul wrote Romans 1 he listen creation doesn't lead us to God but what it does it makes us responsible to God it shows us that there's a creator Nobody would look at my watch or my iPhone and go, that just happened. It just appeared. It just came together because of the complexity. So you look at the universe. And somebody sent me this little thing the other day. It was fascinating. It showed our solar system. And it starts off by showing the earth and the moon. And then it moves to showing other bigger planets ultimately the Sun but then it shows another thing in another solar system that makes our Sun look tiny and then another one that makes that look tiny and then another one that makes that look tiny I mean it's like things that they pull back off the Hubble telescope that show these unbelievable galaxies that make us very very small and that shows us that that we are small but we like to think we're big. We need God. God made us for relationship. The fact that He created that and wants us... Guys, there's no excuse for us, and that's what Paul was saying in Romans 1. When you look around, you're, you, you should know that there's a God and a Creator. And, you know, when I was talking to that one guy yesterday, that's what he, he said. Man, this is so much stuff here. Golly. We... Second John, you're going. Are we ever going to get to Second John? (laughs) Uh, Maybe. Maybe not. Natural revelation is hopeless. You can't figure out God by just looking at nature. False religion is hopeless. (laughs) Only Christ can save guys everything else is demonic it's not just not good it's demonic everything else that says that you can be in relationship of god with god apart from jesus it's demonic paul when he wrote uh, 1 corinthians 10 he was talking about food sacrifice to idols he said when pagans sacrifice to an idol and i've seen them do it over in india when they sacrifice to an idol, what they're sacrificing, they're offering something to demons. It's demonic. It's not to God. And so when you think you're... And I don't care if it's a religion. I don't care if it's a sect of Christianity. If it's not according to the Bible and people are telling you that's how you get in relationship with God, and it's wrong, it's demonic. It's demonic. 2 Thess 1 says, The Lord Jesus, when He's revealed, He will be inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. There's one message and one message only. It's Jesus. Jesus is the message. The Christian faith stands or falls on Jesus, period. He's the only thing that gets us in the right relationship with the Father. That's it. Not Jesus plus works. Not Jesus and adding things that we do in our life. Nothing you do, nothing you do. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how great you are, how much money you have, If Jesus was only a man in the flesh, He can't save us. But He was God. He was God. So, two things in 2 John. Pretty simple. God calls us to walk in the truth and to stay in the truth. That's the whole message of the book. The letter. To walk in the truth and to stay in the truth. 2 John was written in about 90-95 A.D. And the Apostle John wrote it. I mean, people throughout church history have attributed 1 John, 2 John, 3 John to the Apostle John and Revelation to him. And really, all of them were written, written to address false teachers. And to walk in the truth, guys, means to obey it. To live it. So if you know the truth, but you don't walk in it, it does you no good. Now, one problem is a lot of people don't even know it. (laughs) You can't walk in it if you don't know it. And so, what was going on in this particular letter, uh, 2nd and 3rd John were Mm -hmm. written to people. 2nd John written to a lady and her family, 3rd John written to a man who they believe they were having like house churches in their house. And this letter was written to both of them to guard them against false teachers. People would come in, it's, it's not like today, I mean like where they had the hotels back then or the, the temporary lodging, a lot of times there would be prostitutes there, there would be bad guys there, people, robbers, people that would take advantage of people or con people. And so there would, the traveling preachers, the people that would go represent God to the world, would go visit the churches and bring teaching, would stay in the homes of people. And they would, care, they would, they would practice hospitality and bring them in, into their homes. And so they would teach at the house church that was meeting in the house, but then they would go from that house church to another little village, And they would go to that little village and say, oh yeah, I stayed over at Riley and his family's house over in Jacksonville. And then I would go stay here. And so there was a concern on John's part that these false teachers were coming in and they would use the credibility, and that's what these false teachers do a lot of times. They would say, oh, well, he let me stay with him. Oh he must be a good guy then and so they would have some endorsement to go and so John was writing to say whoa you got to stop letting these false teachers stay with you your hospitality has limits guys and this is really important for us that that you don't it's not unloving to basically say no i'm not going to let you do that here If you're in the presence of somebody, they're spewing out a falsehood and you sit there silent because you think that's loving. That's not loving. It's complicity. It is complicity. And that's what he was dealing with. So I'm going to read it. And in five minutes, we're going to go through it. How about that? All right. I know. So real quick. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. Guys, do you see how many times he uses this word truth? And the word truth there is a word that really means reality. That's the the meaning of the Greek word. It's reality. He goes on to say, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment. Just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out in the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh... Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourself so that you may not lose what we've worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or... Give him a greeting. In other words, don't even say hi. Tell him you don't want any. Tell him to leave. For whoever greets him takes part, like David said, in the wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Five times in the first four verses, he uses this word for truth, which is reality. Again, John fourteen six, Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 17, John writes that your word is truth. So, verse 1 says we are to know the truth Verse 5 and 6 says, We are to love in the truth. So, really, what does it mean to walk in the truth? He told us in the text what it means. What does it mean to walk in the truth? What does he say? To walk in the truth means you obey his commandments. What are his commandments? It's only two, right? Love God. We say it every morning. We come on Wednesday. Yeah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That means love Him because He's like you. If you obey Him, you're going to do that. Well, what does it mean to love God? Well, He gives us lots of examples in Scripture. Lots if we take the time to peruse through Scripture, dig through Scripture, read it, every day, guys, I'm in the Word. Every morning before I put a bite of food in my mouth, I put this in my my heart. And I open it up, and I'm reading, and I'm going, golly. This morning, I'm reading. I'm reading about Lot. And I'm reading about Abraham. And I'm reading how Lot eyes, lifted up, he lifted his eyes, and as he lifted his eyes, he saw the Jordan Valley. He goes, man, that looks good, Abraham, because their shepherds were fighting, their underlings were fighting, there wasn't enough room for them. So Abraham, being the older, wiser guy, goes, you know what, you pick, and I'll take what you don't pick. Now, that goes against the culture. In the culture, the younger guy should have said, tell me where to go, uncle, and I'll go. That's what should have happened. That's not what happened. Abraham said, you pick. And it says that Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan. You know what happened a few verses later? God told Abraham to lift up his eyes. Why did He have to tell Abraham to lift up his eyes? because he wasn't looking for himself. God had to tell him to look. You see the difference between the two? That's just one little bit of spiritual food I got this morning. Every day God speaks through His Word to me. That's truth. we got to walk in His truth. He says, and to walk in it, you have to know it. You've got to spend time in it. To walk in truth means to obey it. To permit it to control every area of my life. Not just the areas that are visible to other people, the areas that are off limits that other people don't even see. The paragraph that he wrote here opens and closes with an emphasis on obedience. Walking in truth. It's a lot easier to study the truth, to debate the truth, than it is to live the truth. And that, boy, we got a lot of people that want to debate it and talk about it, but they don't live it. And this is not legalism. This is walking in fellowship with God. It's what he wants us to do. Well, in the second part, verses 7 through 11, he talks about staying in the truth. And how does he do that? He says, You got people coming in trying to distort the truth. What do you do? How do you respond to them? Where do we draw the line when people are speaking falsehood? Well, we don't associate with it. It doesn't mean you have to be mean to them, but you don't, you don't endorse it. Sometimes, silence is condoning. I said it, and E.W. was right there, and he didn't tell me anything different. If it would have been wrong, surely he would have said something. Do you know that I've actually had somebody say that to me? Sometime because I didn't speak up about something. Silence is condoning. If somebody says something that's not true, especially as it relates to God, speak up. That's why you're there. You represent Him. And if anybody's trying to teach you anything about this book, the first question you have to ask them is, what do you think about Jesus? Jesus. Like, what's the, you know, how exclusive is Jesus? Do you believe he's the only way? If they say, well, not necessarily, you better run from them. And and he gives three warnings. Verse eight, watch yourselves, he says, so that you may not lose what we have worked for. In other words, the danger of going back to before you understood what it was all about with Christ. He says, there's a danger of losing what's been gained. This, This, as Hebrews talks about that. He says, beware. The false teacher is going to offer you something that you do not have when in reality they take away what you already have. Satan's a liar. The second thing is the danger of going ahead. Verse 9, he says, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. What does he mean by going ahead? Going beyond the limits of what Scripture teaches going beyond that. It, it literally means to run too far ahead. To pass beyond the limits. It's a false progress. The apostates in our world today like to make us believe they have a new handle on things. And, and so what they do is uh, they, uh, the church is in a rut. The church is too traditional. The church is too dogmatic. And so, we have to have a more progressive view. And you know what that leads to? Deconstruction. I have to deconstruct what I was taught as a kid because my parents were too bigoted, too patriarchal. They too, too much believe in the old-timey religion stuff. this gets back to Genesis 3. Did God really say it? It's the same lie. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it is exactly the same lie. But what they're offering is something new and exciting. And and really stop and think about it. If somebody tells you they found something new about the Bible that nobody's ever discovered, you better be concerned. I'm not kidding you. You you need to be concerned. Um, Because the truth is, God has set His Word. He has throughout history had men who guarded that truth and have passed it down. And we are to be those people. And the final warning is going alongside verses 10-13. through 13. He, he warned the family not to accept false teachers because hospitality, like I said, was such an important part. He's saying, listen, don't even greet them. Because like David pointed out earlier, they, if you, if you take, give them hospitality and aid, help them, you're actually participating in them. That's why when a Mormon shows up at my door, a Jehovah's Witness at my door, or anybody who distorts the Word of God, I will invite them in to talk to them, but I don't take any of their materials. I don't need to get their materials. I don't want their materials in my house. And I tell them I don't want anything, but I want to give you something. And I think they put an X on my door because they won't come to my house anymore. (laughs) I'm serious. They'll go all around my house, but they don't come to my house. <laughs> no, I'm not rude to them, but I don't, I don't endorse anything they do. I would never give money to them. I would, I would help them if they were in trouble. Like I would, you know, help, help them, you know, like with with finan- not financial, not but like with uh, uh, physical aid if they were hurt or something. But I'm not going to do anything that would further what they're doing out in the world. And that's what he's saying. So if, if, if they want to come to your door and give you books, tell them, no, thank you. But I do have something I want to give you. Listen, there's tracks over there. Take a track just in case they show up at your door so you can give them something. Um, you know, I just find it interesting that if they don't agree with Jesus' doctrine, which I've told you now they don't, you know they don't, you don't even really say goodbye to them is what He says here. That's how serious it is. Just say, no, thank you. Shut the door. No, thank you. Shut the door. Uh, why was he so adamant? Because he did not want his children giving false teachers the impression that it was okay what they were doing. That you know that's just a difference of opinion. It's okay. It was serious. Um, I'm going to close with this. JC. Ryle was a champion for truth in the Church of England. And he wrote a a little book called Warnings to the Churches. This is a long time ago. But he wrote about how difficult yet necessary controversy in the church is. He said, There's one thing that's worse than controversy, and it's false doctrine that is tolerated, allowed, and permitted without protest. After acknowledging that there's a lot of people that are going to be upset what he wrote about and even say it's wrong, he said three things that which men ought never to trifle with a little poison a little false doctrine and a little sin H- how do we determine what doctrines are right and worth dividing over and which ones we can set aside till we get you know for you know for unity If they distort the gospel, you divide. If you're at a church that teaches you anything other than Jesus and Jesus alone saves you, you need to leave. I don't care where you go. I don't care how good the music is. I don't care how nice the people are. If they teach anything other than Christ alone, you need to leave. And if you have people that you associate with in Christian unity. You need to to break that off. Say, we can talk about sports, we can talk about politics, we can talk about everything. Uh, And we can have discussion about this, but you need to understand, we are way different. Allah is not the same God as the God of the Bible. The God of Jews who don't believe in Jesus is not the same God we worship. It is not the same. He's different. He's different. The only God that is the one true God, the only God, Yahweh, is the Father of Jesus Christ, plain and simple. And if if they teach anything other than that, then spiritually you don't need to have unity with them because you're not the same. So... uh, I hope that, I know that there was a lot more foundation there than there was the building, but hopefully God will complete that building for you and the foundation there was good. Chuck, will you close in prayer?